Well, hello there. <laughs> and here we are. Happy Trails. Happy Trails. Happy Trails to you. Until we meet again. Happy Trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather. Happy trails to you till we meet again. And here we are, meeting again. Hello and welcome to the Chambers Street Theater. I'm Ruth Chambers, and here we are on KDRT Low Power, High Impact, 95.7 FM, an independent media outlet for alternative voices. KDRT, where the grassroots grow, in Davis, California. <laughs> well, we've been reading from Mark Twain's The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and we've been having some fun with poor Tom, who doesn't like to wash his face or be too clean. <laughs> I think he thinks it's unmanly or something. <laughs> anyway, um, we're, going, we're right here now in Chapter 4. And um, Mary is his sister, and she's... Uh, well, she's supposed to watch him wash his face and get cleaned up for church. And, of course, this is a trying time, so Mary has got to keep alert to see that Tom <clears throat> does what he's supposed to do. And that's where we're going to join them right now. Mary gave him a tin basin of water and a piece of soap, and he went outside the door and set the basin on a little bench there. Then he dipped the soap in the water and laid it down, turned up his sleeves, poured out the water on the ground gently, and then entered the kitchen and began to wipe his face diligent on the towel behind the door. But Mary removed the towel and said, Now ain't you ashamed, Tom? You mustn't be so bad. Water won't hurt you. Tom was a trifle disconcerted. The basin was refilled, and this time he stood over a little while gathering resolution, <laughs> took in a big breath, and began. <clears throat> when he entered the kitchen presently with both eyes shut and groping for the towel with his hands, an honorable testimony of suds and water was dripping from his face. But when he emerged from the towel... He was not yet satisfactory, for the clean territory stopped short at the chin and his jaws like a mask. <laughs> Below and beyond this line, there was a dark expanse of unirrigated soil that spread downward in front and backward around his neck. Mary took him in hand, and when she was done with him, he was a man and brother, without distinction of color, and his saturated hair was neatly brushed and its short curls wrought into a dainty and symmetrical general effect. 
He'd privately smoothed out the curls with labor and difficulty and plastered his hair close down to his head, for he held curls to be effeminate, and his own filled his life with bitterness. Then Mary got out a suit of his clothing that had been used only on Sundays during two years. They were simply called his other clothes. And so by that we know the size of his wardrobe. The girl put him to rights after he had dressed himself. She buttoned his neat roundabout jacket up to his chin, turned his vest shirt collar down over his shoulder, brushed him off, and crowned him with his speckled straw hat. He now looked exceedingly improved and uncomfortable, and he was fully as uncomfortable as he looked, for there was a restraint about whole clothes and cleanliness that galled him. He hoped that Mary would forget his shoes, but the hope was blighted. She coated them thoroughly with tallow, as was the custom, and brought them out. He lost his temper and said he was always being made to do everything he didn't want to do. But Mary said persuasively, Please, Tom, that's a good boy. So he got into the shoes, snarling. Mary was soon ready, and the three children set out for Sunday school, a place that Tom hated with his whole heart. But Sid and Mary were fond of it. Sabbath school hours were from nine to half past ten, and then church service. The church's high-backed, uncushioned pews would seat about 300 persons. The edifice was but a small, plain affair with a sort of pine-board tree box on top of it for a steeple. At the door, Tom dropped back a step and accosted a Sunday-dressed comrade. "'Say, Billy, got your yellow ticket?' "'Yes. What'll you take for?' What do you give? A piece of licorice and a fish hook? Let's see them, Tom exhibited. They were satisfactory, and the property changed hands. Then Tom traded a couple of white alleys for three red tickets and some small trifle or other for a couple of blue ones. He waylaid other boys as he came and went on buying tickets of various colors ten or fifteen minutes longer. He entered the church now with a swarm of clean and noisy boys and girls, proceeded to his seat, and started a quarrel with the first boy that came handy. The teacher, a grave elderly man, interfered, then turned his back a moment, and Tom pulled a boy's hair in the next bench and was absorbed in his book when the boy turned round stuck a pin in another boy presently in order to hear him say, Ouch! and got a new reprimand from his teacher. Tom's whole class were of a pattern, restless, noisy, and troublesome. When they came to recite their lessons, not one of them knew his verses perfectly, but had to be prompted all along. However, they worried through and each got his reward, in small blue tickets, each with a passage of scripture on it. Each blue ticket was pay for two verses of recitation. 
ten blue tickets equaled a red one and could be exchanged for it. Ten red tickets equaled a yellow one. For ten yellow tickets, the superintendent gave a very plainly bound Bible, worth 40 cents in those easy times, to the pupil. How many of my readers would have had the industry and the application to memorize 2,000 verses, even for a Dorier Bible, and yet Mary had acquired two Bibles in this way. It was the patent work of two years, and a boy of German parentage had won four or five. He once recited 3,000 verses without stopping, but the strain upon his mental facilities was too great, and he was little better than an idiot from that day forth. A grievous misfortune for the school, for on great occasions before company, the superintendent, as Tom expressed it, had always made his boy come out and spread himself. <laughs> Only the older people managed to keep their tickets and stick to their tedious work long enough to get a Bible. And so the delivery of one of these prizes was a rare and noteworthy circumstance. The successful people pupil was so great and conspicuous for that day that on the spot every scholar's breast was fired with a fresh ambition that often lasted a couple of weeks. It is possible that Tom's mental stomach had never really hungered for one of those prizes, but unquestionably his entire being had for many a day longed for the glory and the elan that came with it. In due course, the superintendent stood up in front of the pulpit with a closed hymn book in his hand, and his uh, forefinger inserted between its leaves and commanded attention. When a Sunday school superintendent makes his customary little speech, a hymn book in the hand is as necessary as is the inevitable sheet of music in the hand of a singer who stands forward on the platform and sings a solo at the concert. Though why is a mystery, for neither the hymn book nor the sheet of music is ever referred to by the sufferer. The superintendent was a slim creature of 35 with a sandy goatee and short sandy hair. He wore a stiff sanding collar whose upper edge almost reached his ears and whose sharp points curved forward abreast the corners of his mouth, a fence that compelled a straight look out ahead and a turning of the whole body when a side view was required. His chin was propped on a spreading cravat, which was as broad and as long as a banknote and had fringed ends. His boot toes were turned sharply up in the fashion of the day, like sleigh runners, an effect patiently and laboriously produced by the young men by sitting with their toes pressed against a wall for hours together. <sighs> Mr. Walters was very earnest of Maine and very sincere and honest at heart.
and he held sacred things and places in such reverence and so separated them from worldly matters that unconsciously to himself his Sunday school voice had acquired a peculiar intonation which was wholly absent from weekdays. He began after this fashion. Now, children, I want all to sit up just as straight and pretty as you can and give me all your attention for a minute or two. There, that is it. Uh, That is the way good little boys and girls should do. I see one little girl who is looking out of the window. I'm afraid she thinks I am out there somewhere, perhaps up in one of the trees, making a speech to the little birds. (laughs) I want to tell you how good it makes me feel to see so many bright, clean little faces assembled in a place like this, learning to do right and be good and so forth and so on. It is not necessary to set down the rest of the oration. It was of a pattern which does not vary and so is familiar to us all. The latter third of the speech was marred by the resumption of fights and other recreations among certain of the bad boys and by fidgeting and whispering that extended far and wide, washing even to the bases of isolated and uncorruptible rocks like Sid and Mary. But now every sound ceased suddenly with the substance of Mr. Walter's voice, and the conclusion of the speech was received with a burst of silent gratitude. A good part of the whispering had been occasioned by an event which was more or less rare, the entrance of visitors. Lawyer Thatcher, accompanied by a very feeble and aged man, a fine, portly, middle-aged gentleman with iron-gray hair and a dignified lady who was doubtless the latter's wife. The lady was leading a child. Tom had been restless and full of chafings and repinings, conscious smitten too. He could not meet Amy Lawrence's eye. He could not brook her loving gaze. But when he saw this small newcomer, His soul was all ablaze with bliss in a moment. The next moment he was showing off with all his might, cuffing boys, pulling hair, making faces, in a word, using every art that seemed likely to fascinate a girl and win her applause. His exhortation had but one alloy, the memory of his humiliation in this angel's garden and that record in sand was fast washing out under the waves of happiness that were sweeping over it now. The visitors were given the highest seat of honor, and soon, as Mr. Walter's speech was finished, he introduced them to the school. The Middle Age turned out to be a prodigious personage, no less a one than the county judge. Altogether, the most august creature these children had ever looked upon, and they and well, they wondered what kind of material he was made of, and they half wanted to hear him roar, and half afraid he might too. 
He was from Constantinople, 12 miles away, so he had traveled and seen the world. These very eyes had looked upon the county courthouse, which is said to have a tin roof. The awe which these reflections inspired was attested by the impressive silence and the ranks of staring eyes. This was the great Judge Thatcher, brother of their own lawyer. Jeff Thatcher immediately went forward to be familiar with the great man and be envied by the school. It would have been music to his soul to hear the whisperings. Look at him, Jim. He's a-going up there. Say, look, he's a-going to shake hands with him. He is a-shaking hands with him. By jings, don't you wish you was Jeff? Mr. Walters fell to showing off with all sorts of official bustlings and activities, giving orders, delivering judgments, discarding directions here, there, everywhere that he could find a target. The librarian showed off, uh, running hither and thither with his arms full of books and making a deal of the sputter and fuss that insect authority delights in. The young lady teachers showed off, bending sweetly over pupils that were lately being boxed, <laughs> lifting pretty warning fingers at bad little boys and patting good ones lovingly. The young gentlemen teachers showed off with small scoldings and other little displays of authority and fine attention to discipline. And most of the teachers of both sexes found business up at the library by the pulpit, and it was business that frequently had to be done over again two or three times with much seeming vexation. The little girls showed off in various ways, and the little boys showed off with such diligence that the air was thick with paper wads and the murmur of scufflings. And above it all, the great man sat and beamed a majestic judicial smile upon all the house and warmed himself in the sun of his own grandeur, for he was showing off, too. <laughs> there was only one thing wanting to make Mr. Walter's ecstasy complete, and that was a chance to deliver a Bible prize and exhibit a prodigy. Several pupils had a few yellow tickets, but none had enough. He had been around among the star pupils inquiring. He would have given worlds now to have that German lad back again with a sound mind. And now, at this moment, when hope was dead, Tom Sawyer came forward with nine yellow tickets, nine red tickets, and ten blue ones, and demanded a Bible. This was a thunderbolt out of a clear sky. Walters was not expecting an application from this source for the next ten years, but there was no getting around it. Here were the certified checks, and they were good for their face. Tom was therefore elevated to a place with the judge and the other elect, and the great news announced from headquarters. And that'll be our reading for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I think Tom Sawyer is delightful. 
in all of this washing of his face and getting tickets and, in the end, getting a free Bible. That's pretty impressive. Well, I'm sure he got all the glory he wanted. <laughs> well, let's see what we've got here. The Chambers Street Theater can be heard live on Thursday, 11 a.m., and it repeats Friday, 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon and Saturday, 11.30 p.m., moving into the dark of the night. Go to kdrt.org to hear past Chamber Street Theater shows. Uh, you go to Menu and then Programs, and there I am, and you can listen anytime. Well, let's see what else we have here. You know, we're a local radio station right here in Davis, and we have um, mostly Davisites who are the DJs and hosts. And so, well, we can be really proud for that because we're the only Davis radio station in town with all these Davis people sharing their love of music. Well, one of the shows is called Listening Lyrics. This show is all about the music, especially Music from in and around Davis, featuring interviews with local and national artists and exploring the music that inspires them. Listening Lyrics covers the sounds of singer-songwriters, the blues, bluegrass, jazz, Americana, and more. Tune in for Listening Lyrics with hosts Peter and Jeannie Pastor live Fridays, 4 to 5 p.m. on KDRT. For replay times, visit kdrt.org and click the Schedule tab. You can also find Listening Lyrics on Facebook. So this is a wonderful show, and Peter and Jeannie are delightful. They are so friendly and open and warm. They make all of these starting musicians who are playing here locally or on a tour comfortable in a strange town with people they're meeting for the first time. And you know, all these people, these musicians have got to get that kind of radio polish because it's only a matter of time before they'll be talking to the major radios and even to television. So tune in to Listening Lyrics and meet some of our local talent. Okay, well, let's see. I wanted to share something else with you. All right, let's, let's talk about the Golden Road. Get on the bus with KDRT as we travel the Golden Road, exploring the sounds of the Grateful Dead along with other fine musicians from Northern California and beyond. Join host Alligator, for recordings from the Dead's live shows, along with Jerry Garcia's fine solo works, both electric and acoustic. Tune in Friday evenings, 7 to 9 p.m., right here on KDRT. For replay times, visit kdrt.org and click that Schedule tab. An alligator is a very good host. I think you'll enjoy hearing what he has to say. He's always got bits of information that are nice to uh, have him share with everybody. Well, I have a little space here. Um, I'm oh, I have to turn the page here. 
I'm now turning the page. <laughs> the Adventures of Tom Sawyer was published in 1876, and to me it sounds as fresh as today. Mark Twain imaginatively recalls his boyhood in the 1840s in a small town on the banks of the Mississippi River. The real town was Hannibal, Missouri, but in the story he calls it St. Petersburg to suggest St. Peter's Palace or Heaven. In many ways, it does seem like heaven for boys and girls. The weather is always summery, the wooded hills, the river, and the cave are ideal for games and adventures. Tom and his friends get into and out of one scrape after another, and Tom's desires for fame and fortune and for the love of Becky Thatcher are happily realized. And by now you know that Becky Thatcher is this new pretty girl in town, and she is the niece of Judge Thatcher. Even Huckleberry Finn, who sleeps on doorsteps and in large barrel, shares in the treasure the boys uncover. And that treasure is ahead, and we will be getting to it as we move along reading um, Tom Sawyer. <laughs> but not everything is heavily, heavenly in St. Petersburg. Tom Sawyer shows the violence of life in the small town, as well as its day-to-day -day activities. The troubles of the children, as well as their pleasures. The story also makes fun of the preachy juvenile fiction of the time written to encourage young people to be clean and polite and to obey their parents. Well, I think that's a nice introduction to Mark Twain's The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. And you know that's available probably over in Logos. It's a used bookstore here in town. Or you could get a nice paperback edition over by the uh, avid reader. Those are our, our two sources for reasonably priced literature. <laughs> well, I want to start playing a little more of Roy Rogers and Happy Trails. I like to think that our show is a happy trail, and we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week, and I hope all goes well. It's your attitude that counts. So keep your trail happy and your friends smiling. Here we go. Ah, here we go. Good. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Sunny weather, happy trails to you till we meet again. Happy trails to you. This is the Chambers Street Theater on Thursday, live, and we will have repeat shows during the week. Check the schedule at kdrt.org. And thank you for listening. It's, 
it's nice to share. Um, I hope I get to meet all of you at some time or another. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye now. And here we go. Where is that? There it is.